Hey now, hey now. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I was just singing a little crowded house there. I don't know why. Um, welcome to the Harland Highway, the crowded highway. Huh? Um, I'm Harlan Williams, your host for this podcast. Great to have you here, my child. Um, today we uh, we have an interesting show. Um, I'm going to be talking about. Would you believe me if I told you I could fly? Would you believe that? Well, I did. Okay, I flew, and I'm going to tell you all about it. Pretty fascinating stuff. Also, I'm I'm putting a final pin in my argument about the... Uh, we, we had a bit of an argument going back and forth, or a discussion, if you will, going back and forth between myself and various pavement pounders about the worthiness uh, of the validity of putting a, uh, a a microchip or some kind of tracking device into human beings to consolidate their their existence and all their paperwork um so we have a someone from the media chiming in on this uh, topic today so it'll be interesting also an expert in drowning many children drown every year and we have an expert here to help us prevent that this is the harland Highway! Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce... The Harland Highway. I promise you, I will please you all. Believe me. What is he like? What's he like, anyway? Oh, he's an angel. He's an angel straight from heaven. You're going to need a bigger potion. You're listening to Harlan Williams. Why don't you give me a name and a face and a reason why? Oh, man, what do you expect? You got to check along, man. <laughs> It's over, Johnny. It's over. Nothing is over. You just don't turn it off. You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. Weird. Just plain weird. You know what I mean? I'm still alive. I'll tell you what I won't give you, you muckers. I won't give you the satisfaction of saying that I'm sorry. Welcome to the Harland Highway. Oh, you get your money for it. Believe me. Oh, well, this story just won't seem to go away. Um, you know, I've, I've been having this little debate back and forth with you guys, the pavement pounders. I, I brought up this random topic about getting a chip put under your finger and, you know, all the, all the technology we have thrown at us, all the passwords, all the paperwork, blah, blah, blah. You've heard it all. And we got a perspective from uh, a couple of pavement pounders. Some were uh, for it, some were against it, some were kind of somewhere in between. And I kind of put the whole thing to bed, but then I came across an article in the media and I thought, well, we don't really have the media's perspective on it. So I thought to close it out, it might be interesting for me to uh, read you this article and uh, kind of get uh, kind of get a point of view from maybe someone who, you know, is a little more worldly because they're a reporter and they're immersed in in this world and blah blah blah. So, so here it is. Um, the uh, the headline is "Passwords Must Die." This story must die. This is I've dedicated a lot of time to, but this will be the last thing. So let's see what this uh, reporter had to say. A guy named Bob O'Donnell. 
Um, and here's his article. I'll probably start and stop as we go, but here it is. Uh, okay, let's just call it passwords have to go. We know it. Technology device vendors know it. Website publishers know it. Retailers know it. Banks know it. And on and on and on. Yet we're still logging into our devices, services, websites, and more with passwords every day. The obvious question is, why? It turns out enabling alternative methods to prove we are who we say we are, otherwise knows authentication, isn't that easy. Um, and this is what I've talked about. I, I talked about the other day how most of us have like, I've probably got three or four dozen passwords for all the different sites uh, and, and places I have to go. Um, so let me continue. For one thing, there have to be agreed upon standards for enabling authentication, and they have to be shared across devices, operating systems, websites, and all the tech-related services we regularly use. Another key issue is what's politely known as a people problem. We're all too lazy. We don't want to take the extra steps that are often necessary to use the more secure methods of logging into various systems. We get annoyed if our banks force us to not only remember a username and password, but also a special image that we've associated with our accounts. These types of dual-factor authentication mechanisms, meaning they require two different steps to verify our identity, are known to offer better security than simple logins. But the percentage of people who choose to use them is abysmally low. See, that's what I was talking about, man. It's like, we don't like having passwords. We've got too many of them. They're all over the place. If you don't write them down, you're going to forget them. And then you got to carry this. I got to carry a little book of passwords around with me wherever I travel. So if I ever lose my luggage or someone steals my little book, They've got access to like 40 different websites with all my information. Um, let's continue. And yet the warning signs are all around us. Target, Home Depot, the U.S. government. Last week, ironically, a so-called last pass that was designed to provide a service in which a single master password could be used to protect all your other passwords was hacked. The company claims that thanks to uh, data encryption, people's passwords should be safe, but it still makes you wonder. Yes, it does. And this plays into my point that if everything was self-contained in one place under our skin or something to that effect, it would probably be way more secure. Uh, let's continue. At this point, I'm frankly in shock that we are still so dependent on what is clearly a horrifically broken security model, particularly as more and more of our lives, information, and activity moves online. Hello, that's what I've been saying. Thankfully, there are positive developments toward, towards password replacement, and more are coming soon. The most promising long-term solution is biometrics. Here we go such as fingerprints, scanners, which leverage sensors that can, be, can read a distinctive characteristic of your body to uniquely identify you. And this is what I was saying about, you know, a chip or some kind of uh, 
thing related to our organic beings. The beauty of biometrics is that because every one of us is biologically in, in, inimitable, don't know what that word is, um, a strong biometric system can provide a single unique password that only you should be able to use everywhere. Oh, and it's impossible to forget. Okay, so let's talk about uh, the biometrics this guy mentioned. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's talking about them here. Biometric sensors still aren't perfect, as those of you who've struggled with faulty fingerprint readers already know, but they are getting a lot better. Plus, there's a whole raft of new biometric technologies on their way. Here we go, including facial recognition using 3D cameras like Intel's RealSense, iris scanning using the camera built into your smartphone or other device, and even wearables like the long-awaited Nimi band, which can identify you through your electrocardiogram of your heartbeat captured via, via a simple wristband. So, you know, if they're going to do all this, is it that much more of a leap to to uh, think of having a chip under your skin? In addition to new technologies, there are important movements around critical standards as well. The FIDO, Fast Identity Online Alliance, whose membership includes everyone from tech component suppliers Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I don't know if this thing um, is making good progress in driving the creation of protocols to share these kinds of passwordless authentication methods between devices, operating systems, services, and more. Okay. So, um, you know, this is this is interesting to me. Um. Let's go. There's just a little bit more here. In fact, Microsoft has announced it's supporting biometric authentication and FIDO Alliance standards in the far, in the forthcoming Windows 10.0 OS in a feature called Windows Hello. Um, not only will you be able to securely log into your PC with just your physical presence, but also into any Microsoft service or other website that conforms to Microsoft's Passport Identity Management Service. So now we're talking about just being in the presence of a computer or getting close in proximity to a computer or a device, and it reads you. It needs everything it needs to know to confirm you are who you are, and you don't have to deal with any of the BS. It's it, it, maybe in a way it's dangerous because it's kind of like your cell phone. Before you had your cell phone, remember you you probably remembered like ten or twenty phone numbers. You knew your 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 uh, your home number. You knew your parents' number. You knew your girlfriend's number. You knew your best friend's number. You knew your boss's number. You knew the pizza place number. You knew a lot of numbers. And nowadays, how many phone numbers do you know? None. I don't know any. I know my own and maybe one or two more. That's it. That's a little freaky. So the fact that you might have a device that just holds on to everything, you might, you might forget your passwords forever. Uh, it's almost another couple of paragraphs here. 
some of these new technologies sound pretty science fiction-like. Here we go. But it won't be long before simply touching, looking at, or wearing a device will give us fast, seamless, secure access to our devices, services, accounts, and eventually even our homes and cars. So you got to figure if they're going to shove all that stuff like your passwords and all that stuff, does it, it, doesn't it make sense to just shove everything else in there, your identity, your social security, your banking information? It's coming, folks. I told you. I for here. This is the guy talking, not me. This is his closing statement. I, for one, am more excited about developments in this area than I am in any other new gadget or gizmo. Because this is going to make our lives and our data easier and more secure. In an increasingly digital world, it doesn't get more important than that. Thank you. Now, I'm not saying he's right, and I'm not saying I'm right. But it's nice to see that here's someone in the media who, and not to say the media is always right, but these guys do a lot of research. These guys live in a world where they're exchanging news and they're on they're on the uh, leading edge of, of the latest technology, as you heard. And it's kind of nice to hear someone in that in that world um, prop up what I was saying and support what I was saying and and uh, you know, as I've maintained all along, there has to be a way to do it where the government and spy agencies and and Big Brother and all that can't look into you and can't control you and can't, you know. But it's it's the inevitable. It's truly the inevitable. And, and as, as shocking as it may seem, I think within 10 years, my prediction is between 5 and 10 years, you're going to start to see people with implants and robotic chips or a piece of clothing or something that I think the word conglomerates brings everything together, puts it under one roof. So there you go. I'm going to end it there. And uh, as I said, I thought it was uh, a neat story that if you were interested in the debate we were having recently on the uh, Harland Highway, this might uh, give you just a, a different perspective from beyond my voice and the voice of the pavement pounders. So there it is. The future's coming. Domo arigato, Mr. Ribato. <laughs> Charles <laughs> Nelson Riley Chip <laughs> under my skin. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go, kind of a uh, serious way to kick off the show, and 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 I guess we're rolling into another serious topic, right, Roger? We, I, I mean, this is kind of a necessity. Um, we are going to be, uh, you know, it's summertime, and there's a lot of children who are uh, swimming. They're they're going into lakes and into swimming pools and all kinds of uh, scenarios where they're in the water. 
And um, every year, children drown. Uh, there's always tragedies. And so we, uh, we have a, uh, a safety expert here who's uh, on the line. Is he, is he on the line? Yeah. Okay, so we got, uh, we got uh, Carl Smothers on the line. Uh, I guess he's from the American Water Safety Commission. Okay, let's, let's put him through. Uh, hello, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Smothers, are you there, sir? Uh, yeah, yes, uh, hello? Y- yes, sir, Ms. Mr. Smothers. Uh, yes, hello, I, I can, uh, hear you loudly. Great, great to have you here, sir. Uh, it, 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 it's my pleasure to be here, uh, Mr. Williams, great, great to be on the, uh, on the show. Th- thank you for being here, this is obviously a, a very, um, important topic. Well, statistically, uh, every year, Mr. Williams, we have uh, the, the number of children who unfortunately uh, pass on uh, are deceased due to uh, drowning. And, and we feel that this is, this is very unnecessary. Uh, a few uh, minor uh, safety precautions, uh, so some, some coaching from, from parents and, and then concerned adults can, can, can drastically reduce the, the amount of uh, fatalities we have every summer. Well, it is sad, and, uh, you know, I think this is very important uh, work that you guys do. I think it's important we have you on the line. We have a lot of families, people with children, who listen to the show. Uh, I, I, absolutely. And Sir, are you okay? I, 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 I think this is very important, and, 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 and we... we Sir, are you okay? Yes, we 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 are happy to provide guidelines for people and and tips, advice, trading scenarios for for families to prevent these kind of tragedies. Well, good good stuff. What is? What are what is one of the uh, the ways which uh, you know a parent can prepare their child uh, for one of these emergencies? And and when you say emergencies, I'm assuming you mean uh, you know a child falling in a pool, or a, a child you know maybe swimming in a lake and getting out over their head. Yes, there are all kinds of different scenarios that happen. The ones that you mentioned, as well as exhaustion, a child may undertake a round of swimming and underestimate his or her stamina, Mr. Williams, and sometimes exhaustion will set in. Cramping of the leg muscles, the arm muscles, and a child may over overexert him or herself and find themselves in a precarious situation where they can't. Bless you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Williams. A child may find themselves in a precarious situation where they they can't overcome uh, their surroundings and and they succumb uh, to, unfortunately, a a, a drowning death. Well, that is awful. I I hate hearing those stories. What is one of the the first things that a parent can do to help prepare their child for, for, or, you know, prepare a child for the prevention of drowning? Uh, Absolutely, Mr. Williams. The first thing we recommend for parents to do is, 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 is to get their child 
in a quiet, uh, comfortable place in the home and does a st- strap the child down and waterboard the ch- child. I'm sorry? Uh, waterboarding the child uh, gets a child familiar with the concept of, 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 of drowning. Uh, it, it prepares a child for the sensation of, 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 of suffocating from water being in, in the mouth, in the nose, uh, uh, c- collapsing the lungs, this type of thing. Pardon me, sir? Uh, if you could waterboard your child, uh, if you have three or four children, you, you could do it as a, a group activity. You tie them down. You, you could use duct tape. You could use rope, Mr. Williams. And, and you tilt their head back, and there's all kinds of guidelines on the uh, on the Internet that we could provide or you could find uh, in the Pentagon, uh, pentagon.com. Wait a minute. This is a method of torture used... Uh, during uh, the uh, the Iraq War and and used by, you know, anyone who who wanted to commit torture. Well, well, well let's let's not blur the line, Mr. Williams, between torture and, and saving a child's life. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, this that sounds a little traumatic. Can't you just sit a child by the edge of a pool or a lake and talk them through it? Well, if, if, if you live in a fantasy world, Mr. Williams, if, 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 you, if you want to wear kid gloves around your child, by all means, you know, we certainly encourage you to take that, as we call the soft approach. But if you really want your child to experience the sensation of drowning and, and, and know and know what it feels like to be sinking underwater, to, to be crying out for your, your very next breath, to, to have that sensation that you are at death's door. Uh, I, I, I think it's important that you take your child there so they're familiar with it and know how to deal with it. Sir, are you okay? You seem to be... Do you have... Pardon me, Mr. Williams. I have a bit of a speech impediment. Okay, I understand, but you're okay? Yes, sir. All right, well, going back to your waterboarding, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's a, a very smart approach. I, I think, yes, you may, uh, you may uh, familiarize a child with the sensation of drowning, sir, but, I mean, the psychological effects, the lasting, uh, you know, psychological scarring, that, that's got to be horrific and traumatic for a child. Well, would you rather have your child have a, a few cheap nightmares for a few months or a couple of decades, Mr. Williams, or would you rather lose your child at the bottom of your neighbor's pool? Well, come on, sir. Are there any other methods here that aren't so aggressive? Well, well, we do have the what we call these... <laughs> Sleep and toss method, Mr. Williams. What is the sleep and toss method? Well, you know, drowning always come, comes as a surprise. No one ever plans to drown or, or find themselves in a situation where they're drowning. And, and so it often comes as a complete shock and, and, and panic ensues for not just children but adults as well. Okay, that's fair. So what we uh, we propose as a training exercise for parents is, uh, well, your children is uh, is asleep uh, in a deep sleep, uh, perhaps early in the morning uh, before as the sun's coming up, Mr. Williams, or 
uh, maybe in the middle of the night if, 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 if needs be. Uh, you, you go in, and children do not wake up easily. I, th- I think we can all agree with that. Yes, I, I think children are very deep sleepers. And, and then this plays very well into our training scenario where you go in, you gently l- l- lift the child up uh, d- d- during the, his or her deep sleep, uh, carry them out into the yard, and, and, and throw them into the pool. I'm sorry, sir? You, you throw the sleeping child into the pool and, and, and allow the shock and the, the, the sheer terror of, 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 of sinking into the bottom of, 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 of a watery environment. And I'll tell you, that will do wonders for uh, their preparation, should they ever... Hold on, sir. You're talking about taking a, a sleeping child. And, and, and possibly even babies. The children from a few months old right up to, you know, 13 or 14 years old, Mr. Williams. Okay, this is this is not not something I would recommend. I mean, that 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 is torturous. Uh, another method we have, uh, Mr. Williams, is, is if you're having a bar Sir! Bar- barbecue, Mr. Williams. Uh, and you've got a lot of adults, uh, maybe 30 or 40 adults uh, at, at the residence. So there's a family swimming pool or perhaps you're uh, cottaging at a lake. Uh, and, and if a child is in the water having fun, because drowning comes out of nowhere, there's, there's never really a set place or time for a drowning. Sadly, that's very true. So, uh, uh, collectively, parents can uh, benefit from a scenario where they're all together at a social setting at a pool party, and if if they see a child uh, swimming in the pool, uh... Yes? Uh, well, well, maybe all, all of the adults can collectively uh, band together, 20 or 30 of them, and we recommend that they can involve the child, uh... Okay, sir, are you... Are, are you crazy, Carl Smothers? Well, sir, I'm, I'm here to save the ch- 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 children's lives. Cannonball the child. 30 or 40 grown people launching themselves through the air, curling their knees up, and doing a what we call a cannonball in the pool water because cannonballs, uh, when your body is in this shape and you hit the water, it causes an enormous splash, a wake, if you will, displacing the water, uh, sending virtual waves across the surface of the pool. Uh, Absolutely, and and our our hope is that the child is screaming and and, and multiple amounts of water go into the child's screaming, terrified mouth, fills the child's uh, mouth with water, and the child starts to uh, fill his lungs with water and, and starts to sink. And, and thankfully, with all the, the, the concerned parents around, uh, they'll let the child sink for, you know, five or six, maybe seven feet. Sometimes hit the bottom of the pool at nine or 12 feet. Let them rest there quietly for for just a few minutes. And then, every, you know, you have lots of concerned adults who can dive down, and retrieve the child, and resuscitate the child and go, that's what it's like to drown. Uh, to their child, and, 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 and the look of gratefulness, the, the, the look of gratitude in the, the, the child's eyes, 
now knowing what it likes, what it feels like to drown, it is it, it, almost priceless. It's a, it's a parent and child bonding scenario. Sir, I think you might be completely ass backwards here, and pardon my language. Well, well there's no need to, to, to get aggressive, sir. We're, we are trying to save lives. You're trying to save children's lives by waterboarding them, throwing them in a lake while they're sleeping, and now you're saying 30 or 40 adults cannonball a child, allow him to sink to the bottom, and resuscitate him so he knows what drowning's like? Preparation is, is is the best defense, Mr. Williams. And, and one more, if you're at a park with your child and you, and you see a, a child drinking at a drinking fountain, feel free, free to step up behind the child, push him from the back of his head, stuff his face right into the water fountain, make his mouth go right over the squirting faucet. Okay, sir, I think you've said enough. Uh, also, I'd like to recommend uh, the idea of putting a funnel up a child's nose. Okay, hang up, Roger. This guy is out of control. Unbelievable. We also, uh, uh, we also on, on parent uh, adults a day at work, we, we recommend that uh, office workers take the, uh, the, the, the water cooler bottle off the stand and stuff it into the child's mouth while they're laying on their back. And it's, it's also fun to watch the bubbles come up and they make that big gurgling sound as the water transfers from the water cooler bottle, that great big 10-gallon uh, thing, into the child's stomach and lungs. All right, hang up. Unbelievable. I'm not finished, sir. Would you like to go for a drink? No, I don't want to go for a drink with you. Can I send you a case of bottled water? Get him off! Good God! Unbelievable. That is horror. Where the hell did you get that guy, Roger? The, the ladies and gentlemen, I don't recommend or endorse any of what you just heard from Carl Smothers at the American Water Safety Commission. We, I, we here at the Harlan Highway do not condone waterboarding, sleep and toss, cannonballing, putting water bottles from water coolers in children's mouths, etc., etc. Une, unacceptable. Carl Smothers. Wow. Um, wow. Let, let's move on, right? Let's move to something a little more uh, upbeat. Good Lord. Just ridiculous. One cheeseburger with everything coming up. Okay, on to something a little lighter. Let's close the show out with this. I, I did something very recently, uh, and I want to give a shout-out to a place in Houston, Texas called iFly. And uh, and the name is is just what it sounds like. iFly is uh, is a facility where you can go and actually kind of fly as a human being. It's an indoor facility, and uh, it's it's open to the public. And uh, I guess it's a chain. They have them dotted around the U.S. This was my first time doing it, and the folks over there were gracious enough to have me in as their guest. And uh, basically, it's a giant wind tunnel. Uh, a uh, a vertical wind tunnel, and and basically you step inside this thing, 
and uh, and and there's air blowing at over a hundred miles an hour, and you basically get sent floating up in the air. You're literally floating hands free, um, you know, uh, inside this chamber, and it it's quite a fascinating feeling. And uh, there's no ropes or pulleys or gadgets attached to you. You put on a little safety suit and a helmet, and um, and you kind of step into this chamber and you kind of lay down on your stomach. And as soon as you do that, the air gets, the force of the air gets under you and, and keeps you floating. You keep your arms out in front of you and your legs extended. And obviously, the more mass you put out there, the more the air has to push up on. And, uh, and, and your body, you find yourself floating. And I only did it for about probably three or four minutes, maybe five minutes. But uh, boy, oh boy, what a cool sensation. What an interesting feeling to, in essence, fly. I guess in this case, it was more like floating. Uh, and 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 for most of the, the session, I was only probably about eight to ten, probably eight to ten feet up off, off the ground. Uh, but then uh, at one point, the trainer who stays in there with you is standing in there, uh, kind of making sure you don't bounce around and smash into the walls, uh, you know, too aggressively. At one point, he was able to grab onto my 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 jumpsuit that I was wearing and kind of with his expertise, he like jumped us up and kind of pulled me up to about probably 30 or 40 feet in the in the air and was twirling around with me and stuff like that. And, oh, man, it was really interesting and cool. And uh, I guess these chambers are what uh, professional skydivers use to learn how to train and do tricks and learn how to manipulate air currents. And and it's just unbelievable. In between uh, people like me and other customers, the, uh, the, the uh, professionals who work there would go in and literally it looked like they were doing ballet in midair. I mean, these guys have the time in inside the chamber to know how to use it and manipulate it, and these guys were were flying up in the air and flipping and twirling and going upside down and just a very graceful and beautiful. And I I think the end game is to be kind of in a in a zone like they were in, where you can actually go in and literally fly around hands free. Um, as for the rest of us amateurs, you know, we kind of get in there all clunky and float, but nonetheless, how often in your life have you had the opportunity to float in midair or fly in midair with no attachments? It, it's pretty interesting. It was pretty fun. So, uh, I thought I'd just throw that on at the end to tell you about a cool experience I had. And if you if you have the chance, look into it in your uh, city, and uh, it, it's it's a fun way to spend a couple of hours. They bring you in and give you a little training video. They teach you some hand signals because it's very noisy in there. You can't uh, you can't hear anyone talking. You have to follow hand gestures uh, as far as the instructions go on how to position your body to get the most out of your time in the air chamber there. Uh, but a fun thing to do with friends, family, uh, the whole experience probably takes an hour and a half or so 
from the time you get suited up, you have your little training session, and the time you go in and out of the 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 chamber. But it's time well spent for a unique experience. It was funny. I woke up that morning and I go, well, today I'm going to fly. Today, Harlan Williams is going to fly. And that's what I think is so fun about being human. I mean, we just never know what's around the next corner. We never know what experiences life is going to bring us. And uh, it's just fascinating. I mean, I didn't ever, ever think really at any point in my life I would fly like that. Um, and it was really cool. So check it out. It's called iFly. And maybe it's something you might want to try. I'm sure it's a lot better than throwing your child in a lake. Oh, so there you go. I'm going to leave it there. Leave it on a high note, a high flying note. Thanks again to iFly in Houston, Texas. And uh, thanks to you guys. Let's do a few announcements and then let's boogie on out of here. Okay, so let's see where we at here, gang. This is just cray cray. Um, let's see what. Let's go into the month of July, where yours truly will be performing in New York, the great state of New York. I'll be up at a place called Levity Live, just outside of uh, New York City. A uh, great facility, beautiful comedy club. Uh, I don't get to perform in New York a whole lot, so. It's going to be a good time. Uh, also, uh, I'll be at the Pemberton Music Festival in British Columbia, Canada. Um, New York uh, Levity Live will be July 9th through the 12th. And uh, Pemberton, British Columbia will be July 19th, one night only. And, uh, and then later in July, I will be at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal, Quebec. That'll be July 23rd to the 25th, a great, great comedy festival. And then later on in August, my only show in August will be in Irvine, California, at the Spectrum in Orange County, at the Improv in Irvine. That's August 20th to the 23rd. So uh, lots of great shows coming up. Not a lot, but great shows nonetheless. Uh, Also, if you want to uh, leave me a phone message, 323-739-4330. 323-739-4330. That's 323-739-4330. Or you can write me at Harland Williams. We have a contact page there, and you can drop me a letter. I might read your letter on the show. I might play your phone message on the show. You never know, gang. Um, also, check out our store, the harlowilliams.com store. we got all kinds of fun T-shirts and gifts and music and artwork and books and posters and Chinese egg rolls and, well, not that, but. Um, and what else can I tell you? Join my YouTube channel. Join me on Twitter at Harlan Williams. Join me on Periscope at Harlan Williams. Oh, it never ends. Um, but this show is ending right now, I assure you. Uh, I want to thank you all for being here. Spread the word. Tell your friends about the Harlan Highway. Let them get in on the fun. And uh, that's it. Hope you uh, have a good uh, good week, good day, good night, good morning. Um, and uh, if you can, get out there and fly. Until next time, chicken chow mein, baby.